Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. This video to help you understand where we are this morning. We've been talking about a thread that runs throughout history. We began in Genesis chapter 1 before there was ever a first day. We talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit has been at work. We talked about the fact that Jesus talked to his disciples and told them to wait for power. We've been examining that although sometimes overlooked and sometimes forgotten that the Holy Spirit is one of the most important and significant things that's ever happened in the history of mankind. And we're leaning or we're leading up to Pentecost next Sunday. And so we've been talking about how we wanted you to wait and to become hungry and to seek with everything that's within you, whether you've been filled or whether you've never been filled, as anticipating that God is still able. We talked about uh, in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus spoke some last words, and last words are always the most important words. And so Jesus, rather than what we think was his la were his last words to his disciples, which was we think is go, that's not what, what the last words were. The last words were wait. And so I read those to you last week out of Luke chapter 24. We're going to read them again this morning. Luke chapter 24, verse 49 says this, Jesus speaking, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in, t in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. 
Then the writer of Acts steps in and he repeats these same instructions in Acts chapter 1 in verse 4. Listen to what he says. It's a little bit different, but the same idea. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He, he, Jesus, rather than saying anything else to his disciples, he says to them, go and wait on power. He also, in this passage in Acts, we see the writer says he tells them to wait on the promise. What promise? What promise is he talking about? What promise was Jesus alluding to when he says, go and wait on the promise of the Father? Well, he makes it very clear. He leaves no doubt. Because in Acts chapter uh, 1 and verse 5, he goes on and he says this. He says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he makes it abundantly clear that this promise, the promise that Jesus was telling his disciples about was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples to wait. Before he said go, he said wait. Before you go try to change the world, wait. He knew that if they went without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that nothing would happen. He was telling them, don't try to do something until, I, until you do what I've instructed you to do. You, we want you to go and wait and receive an additional baptism. That's an important phrase that I threw in there on purpose. He says you need to wait on this additional baptism that will allow you to be empowered by the strength of the Holy Spirit and you will be able to accomplish what I've called you to accomplish because I'm sending you a helper. So Jesus commands them to wait on power. He commands them to wait on a promise. And he apparently knew that the third time was the charm. Now what am I talking about? We're going to get there. He knew that if they were going to be able to change the world that they would need a third baptism. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Three distinct baptisms that are taught in the New Testament that we need to be aware of. The first baptism that we need to be aware of is this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Saying it like that very distinctly and on purpose. The first baptism is one of the baptisms that is an invisible baptism that produces an, an, uh, an after effect in the life of the person that experience this this first baptism y'all with me this morning first baptism baptism of the holy spirit you already know about this baptism but you probably know it by a different name it's called salvation baptism of the holy spirit that's salvation let me see if i can prove it to you first corinthians chapter 12 verse 13 the writer says this for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body whether jews or greeks whether slaves or free and so we see right off the start the writer is saying that there's somebody that's doing this baptism it's the holy spirit when we experience salvation we are baptized into one body into the same body the body of christ you are part of the body of christ because you were baptized of the holy spirit the Holy Spirit drew you. The Holy Spirit one turned your mind and your heart towards Christ. We know that because we can go on and read about the work of the Holy Spirit from Jesus in John chapter 16 verse 8 through 11. He gives us part of the Holy Spirit's job description. He says this, and when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So what he's saying to us is that the Holy Spirit plays a part in salvation. He literally convicts us of our sin, and he causes us to want to have relationship with Jesus. 
Ever experienced conviction of the Holy Spirit? Where, where you recognize your own sin? In fact, if you're saved, every one of you that's saved has ex encountered that particular work of the Holy Spirit because if the Holy Spirit hadn't drawn you and convicted you of your sin, you probably wouldn't want anything to do with Jesus. Because left to our own devices, we move towards destruction. Okay, I'm preaching better than y'all. Y'all must have had late nights last night running from tornadoes. I don't know. Uh, all I know is that the Holy Spirit convinces us of our need for Jesus, and then he points us to the salvation that Jesus has so graciously provided. So there is this baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's different from baptizing, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, I can't get no help from no Pentecostals in the room. All right. So there's this first baptism that we declare that you need. You need to be saved. We all need to be saved. Okay, you're doing better now. But there's a second baptism. Second, second baptism is the one that most believers and Christians are the most familiar with. And most likely, the disciples probably saw this baptism with their own eyes. It, it is water baptism. Right? The second baptism, you get, you get saved and then you move on to water baptism, a second baptism. It is uh, something they saw with their own eyes. They probably watched John baptize people in the Jordan. So water, baptize, water baptism is this, this thing that you see with your physical eyes, unlike the other two, where you can't see them with your physical eyes. You can see water baptism with your physical eyes, and it is a visible indicator of an inward change. That's what it is. There, this outward and visible baptism is sandwiched usually between the first baptism and the third baptism and we see it with our physical eyes because you can, you can see it happen and then you can also see the spiritual things that happen afterwards because after we make this public statement that we have accepted Christ as our Savior and now we want to be baptized in water, people start looking for the effects of the first baptism because they've seen the second, okay. All right, so if we are obedient to the commands of the Scripture, then we should choose to experience a second baptism, and this one takes place in water. That's the type of baptism that Jesus talked about when he made this statement in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He says this, Go, and there, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus literally gives his disciples marching orders that what he wants them to do is to go out and, and witness so that people would be baptized of the Holy Spirit and put their faith and trust in Jesus. And then he's instructing the disciples, then what I want you to do after you see them do that is I want you to lead them into water baptism so that they can make this visible statement and declaration to all their friends and all their family and all their relatives and all their co-workers that there's no doubt at all they've given their heart and life to Jesus that's what he's instructing them to do that is what he's instructing them to do so after you've experienced the first baptism of salvation most of us understand that we need to take another step and we need to be baptized a second time as a visible statement of our faith we all agree or most of us agree on that right that we need to be saved and we need to be baptized in water because we want everybody to know we've been saved right okay we understand the need of baptism number one, and we understand the need for baptism number two. But Jesus understood that there also needed to be a third baptism. Why we think that 
we can make it in this thing called Christian walk and life, stopping short and only experiencing baptism one and baptism two is beyond me. Why wouldn't we want everything that Jesus understood? Okay, yeah, okay. I'm getting ahead of myself because the third baptism is another invisible baptism, but it has distinct and visible effect on the believer, and that is baptism in the Holy Spirit. So first baptism is baptism of the Holy Spirit. He convinces us of our need for salvation. The second baptism is water baptism. But the third baptism that Jesus understood that we needed and that he gave his, his disciples instructions to go and wait on was baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist refers to Jesus when he makes this statement. I, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In other words, Scripture clearly shows us that Jesus is the, has this desire and even this mandate on his life to baptize us or immerse us in the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants to do. In fact, let me take you through some Scriptures this morning. The promise of the Holy Spirit is fulfilled and came powerfully into the, 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 the life of the disciples in what was portrayed on the, on the video. You know that represents the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. But you need to go back and remember what happened afterwards. You will remember that when the fire fell and tongues came and the baptism of the Holy Spirit was evident in their life, then Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he begins to preach under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you remember? And thousands of people turn to him and say, what should we do? How are we supposed to respond to what you're saying to us? Y'all remember that scene? Okay, good, because I'm going to read it to you. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, Verse 37, he says this. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Holy Spirit at work. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, listen to this order, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are, after, are, are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. I want you to notice the three active verbs in this passage. Peter outlines three baptisms. That's what he does. He says, first, you need to repent. Baptism of. Right? Get your heart right. And then he says, be baptized. Guess what he's talking about? Baptism number two. Go and be baptized in water as a signifier of the fact that your life has been changed. And then he says, but there's a third baptism, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter is very clear that there's a third baptism, and he indicates here that the Holy Spirit will never force himself on anybody, that you must receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right? So from here on out, from Acts chapter 2 forward, what you see is that there's a third baptism that continually follows the first two as essential, as a critical part of the Christian life. Peter's outlined pattern continues forward. Okay, let me see if I can prove it to you. In Acts chapter 8, the evangelist Philip is preaching and teaching in Samaria. A revival breaks out. 
many people are saved, they're delivered from demonic oppression. Then in verse 12 of Acts chapter 8, Peter stands up, or, or Philip stands up and said, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Did you catch that? They believed in Jesus, then they were baptized. Two of the three baptisms are found in verse 12. They believed they, re, they, they, were, they received the baptism of salvation. They were baptized in water. That's two. What about the third? Well, verse 14 through 16. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they came, had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet they, he had not fallen upon them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So that even the apostles understood that you can be baptized in the first baptism and the second baptism, but you need the third. Okay, are, are y'all getting this? See, and then the one I referred to last week in Acts chapter 19. Paul, he, he comes into contact with some people at Corinth. Listen, listen to what it says. As it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper region, he came to Ephesus. He's going through Corinth. He comes to Ephesus, and he finds some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. That's an interesting passage of Scripture. Disciples who had believed, they were followers of Jesus, but now I want you to notice Paul's question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I want you to understand what's going on here. Paul seems to have an assurance in his own heart and mind that someone can come to saving faith in Jesus Christ yet not receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's a powerful, okay. Uh, in other words, Paul knows this, that a person can be baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ, which is salvation, yet not be baptized by Jesus into the Holy Spirit. And he's so adamant that they need it that the very first thing he says to them was not anything like, how's the weather, how your kiddo's doing, have you passed all your tests, any of that. The first thing he says to them is, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And the response is epic. The response is, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. They've been going to church, and they have, okay, maybe they were, maybe these people went to church like we go to church today. Someone told them enough about Jesus to get saved, but they hadn't heard, even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. That's where we find ourselves today in the church world. We hear all about Jesus, and we hear nothing about the Holy Spirit. So we continue to see saved po folks who live their whole life with no power. Y'all are fighting me this morning. Okay, so Paul found this so puzzling. It was so beyond his own comprehension that then what he does is then he, he, he figures, well, if they haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm even going to check if they've been saved. He does. In verse 3, he says this to them, and he said to them, Into what were you baptized? And when they said, Into John's baptism, Paul explained what they were missing. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It means he dunked them. And then when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. All three baptisms. 
Can I just tell you what's happening in Acts? It's a pattern. It's a pattern outlined for us for what the New Testament church was going to operate like and look like. May I submit to you that, in my humble opinion, we are so far from the pattern that now when somebody talks about the pattern, it feels freaky. Okay, I need my rag because y'all making me sweat. Because now what we want to do is we want to come to church and hear about prosperity. We, we, we don't want nobody to preach about the Holy Spirit. We want you to pre preach about money. And we want to hear about marriages and family relationship and how to raise your kids and how to be successful and influence people and, and all that's necessary. But we've broken the pattern. I just want to submit to you this morning that the pattern we're supposed to follow is not church growth patterns, although we learn from them. Our pattern is supposed to be the pattern of the New Testament. We are to be a New Testament church. That is what we are called to be. Why would we want to be anything else? It worked for them. The, the, the models are changing. The methods are changing. I got no problem with that. But I'm telling you, the message is current, and the message is relevant, and the message is efficient, and the message has the power in it, and we need to get back to the pattern. And the pattern is this. We tell people to get saved. We lead them in the baptism of salvation. We want your heart towards Jesus. We lead them into water baptism so that they can testify and witness to their friends. But we don't stop there. We all corporately and then individually we pursue the third baptism because we recognize that without the baptism in the Holy Spirit we're weak and we don't have the power that we need to influence and engage. There's that word engage. Engage our culture. That's what we have to do. That's what we're leading up to. The disciples waited for power. They waited for the promise. I hope you're waiting. I hope whether you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit much like I did in a youth camp or a camp meeting when I was a teenager or whether you uh, found it in a church service and you prayed through and all that stuff that goes with that and we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But, but, but I hope that if you've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that there's a new hunger rising up in you and you recognize that inside of you there is a, there's a power, there's a dynamo that should cause you to change your world and if you're not then maybe you need to be refilled and I hope that if you've never tasted the baptism of the Holy Spirit you will understand after what we've been talking about that you should seek that because it's one of the gifts that the Father has promised and there's nothing freaky about it and there's nothing off limits to you as uh, it, was, it was for them and it's not for me and I wasn't raised like that it's for everybody that will seek it and wait on it and so I hope you've been waiting my question to you this morning is simply this. What baptism do you need? Some of you have been baptized once. Some of you have been baptized twice. But some of you need to be baptized a third time. What baptism do you need? Let me tell you what's going to happen. 
next week. Next week is going to be one of the most, I think, unique services we've ever had. We are going to give you an opportunity next, next week to be baptized in all three baptisms in one service. As is our practice every Sunday morning, we are going to give you an opportunity that if you don't know Jesus, we're believing that the Holy Spirit is going to be so real in our praise and worship that the Holy Spirit's going to convict you of your sin. And even if you've been attending this church week after week after week after week and have called yourself a Christian because you go to church but have never had that encounter with Jesus personally, that next week you're going to have an opportunity to name him as the Savior and, and King of your life. You're going to be given the opportunity to be baptized the first time. But then right in the middle of my sermon next week, right smack dab in the middle, we're going to give you the opportunity to be baptized the second time. If you've never been baptized in water, there's, you don't have to jump through hoops. All you need to do is bring a change of clothes. We'll provide the towel. You can even bring a hat to wear for the rest of the sermon so your hair will be all presentable to everybody. I don't care what you do. But we're going to stop right smack dab in the middle of the message and roll those curtains back, and we're going to baptize folks in water because it's, it's, it's essential as a public declaration of what you believe. So if you, listen, mom and dad, if your child has never been baptized, next week's the week for them. Talk to them about it this week. If you've never been baptized in water, or maybe it happened when you were so little you don't even remember it, and you need to take that step of faith, we're just going to make it available to everybody. Just bring a change of clothes. And then we're going to take time, and we're going to pray for people to be refilled and filled so that you can experience the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit without all the freakiness and shenanigans that have gone on, maybe you've experienced in the past, that's caused you to go, well, I don't even know if I... Listen, this is not about being more spiritual. This is about being more like what God said we could be, and we follow scriptural patterns and mandates, and we access everything God has for us. What baptism do you need? Father, this morning, my prayer is that as we wait together and as we move towards Pentecost Sunday, that you would challenge us in our own growth and our own levels of power. Father, I pray that as we seek your word this week, each of us discovering where we stand spiritually, I pray that you would lead us into obedience next week, next Sunday. God, I pray that an anticipation would overtake each of us. I pray that whether we're familiar with the baptism of the Holy Spirit or we're first time, this is all new to us. God, I pray that this week we would begin to seek, like a child, we would simply say, Jesus, if you've got more for me, I want it. I want everything that you have for me. I want everything that you have. Position us, I pray, to receive. Make us hungry again. God, I pray that as a body we would get this thing right so that we can live up to our name and that we can live up to our mission 
Because, Father, we recognize this morning that unless we have an encounter with you and all of your power, we can sit through session after session and sermon after sermon, seminar after seminar. And without that encounter of power, we will never effectively engage our culture. That's our desire. Make us people of passion.
Father, this week, would you consume us? with hunger make us hungry again God I pray that whether newbie or veteran that a sense of desperation birthed out of our understanding of our own lack and our own inability on our own would drive us back to the pattern. And we would place a demand a scriptural demand on your promise that we could have more. So God, together we wait. We wait on power and we wait on this promise. I pray that we would not become distracted, that we would forget anything we've been taught in the past that would cause us to think that this is not for us. And instead, I pray that in our waiting, we would position ourselves to receive. I ask you to do this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.